this message, who do you see in the mirror that speaks about the importance... Okay, there we go. Is that better? Speaks about the importance of having a correct view of who we are in the Lord. We can miss a lot if we don't see clearly. We have blurred vision. God wants us to see the blessings He's provided us in Christ. And so, for a reading, um, I really want to focus on chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, verse 18. I'm going to read 7 through 13 and verse 18 aloud. And I ask you to stand in our God's honor as I read. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it, while the radiance was fading away. And then verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Master, thank You for allowing us to meet again together. Lord, remind us of who we are in Jesus Christ. Too often we live apart from that wonderful confidence that we are called to enjoy in You. And I just pray as we take time to look at Your truth tonight from 2 Corinthians 3, that we'd be reminded who we are as we look in the mirror of Christ, that we would become like Him and His likeness and see that and live in response to that wonderful truth, Lord. Just guide our time, Father. We need to hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. I wanted to start in looking at verses 7 through 11 and just look at some comparisons here where I talk about actually looking in the mirror and being reminded of what we look like in Christ. There is two different concepts. In the Old Testament, what was revealed, an idea of God's glory was His glory was so grand, so unapproachable, that to see the Lord was certain death. And it was because of the fact that there's the sin factor. And God is holy, and, and He is beyond us, and, and our sin cannot allow us to approach Him. And, and, and so there was this, this fear of, of God's holiness. And as we read in this section of Scripture in chapter 3, he talks about there in verse 7, he said, the ministry that brought death. You see, the law, the idea of being good by keeping God's commands, it would never make you righteous because there is this issue that none of us are able to perfectly keep the law. We stumble. We miss the target. We, we 
do not follow God completely. We're just not able to do that. And so what the law does is it doesn't make you righteous, but what it does is it forces you to take a good hard look at the fact that you need God to forgive you. To take a good hard look at you need a deliverer. You need a God to be merciful towards you. And verse 9, we, we see, if the ministry that condemns men is glorious. That's what happens with the law. I, I remember, the, I love to hear Tony Evans, a preacher in Dallas, and, and I'll never forget the illustration he used in describing the law. He said, the law, he said, guys, it, it's a mirror. When you look in the mirror, you see what you look like. He said, but you don't take the mirror off the bathroom wall and start brushing your teeth with it. Man, you will end up in the hospital with that. No, it, it's not to brush your teeth. It's not to comb your hair with a mirror. But rather, it's to look and to see your condition. To clearly see that condition. And that's what the law does. It shows us our condition that we need God to be merciful to us, to reach out to us, and to love us. That, that's what we need of Him. Um, it says there in verse 7 that the Israelites could not steadily look at the face of Moses. And it describes His glory. It was a fading glory, though. And in verse 11, though, it talks about the glory that's found in Christ, the glory that's come by way of His perfect sacrifice, the way of the cross. It says, the first glory is fading away, but how much greater is the glory which lasts. It's a glory that doesn't fade. You see, Moses would go before the presence of the Lord, and when he came down, the radiance of God was all over him. And he, he would wear a veil, but that glory would fade as he was outside of God's presence. But the Bible here says that the veil has been removed because of that sacrifice of Christ is so perfect, His power is so great, His work so wonderful, that guys, when we receive His perfect gift... His life, the Spirit of God within us, it's a glory that doesn't fade. It's a glory that lasts. It's a glory that meets us here and carries us all the way to heaven that we are secure in. That's the kind of glory and that's the kind of hope that He so fully provides. I love it here in verse 16. He says, Whenever a veil... He says, But anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words... God's glory is complete in us. It doesn't fade. We have an, an approachable relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. He has, he has made it possible for us to approach Him in prayer, to come to Him and have a living relationship with Him that lasts. And then there's that wonderful verse in verse 17 where it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Man, I love that. God sets us free. He sets us free from what? He sets us free from our past. Those skeletons that are hanging in the closet that we don't want anybody to discover. God knows that. He knows where you've been. He knows your regrets. And He says, where the, the Lord is freedom, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. He says, man, you, you can be freed from that. You can be freed from... Uh, if people knew what I was like or, or who I am, they really knew this about me. God loves you. He, he knows you and, and, and He frees you. And, and that's the beautiful part of, of, of who we are and what we're to see. And then He comes to that great 
verse 18, which we're going to focus on. And he talks about here looking into Christ to see who we really are. And he says, and we. Notice the first part talked about Moses in his presence, but now it talks about all those who come. Not just one, but all those who come through Jesus Christ. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you're able to, to see Him clearly through, through the work that was accomplished at Calvary. He says, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. He is doing a continual work to make us more like Jesus. And that work comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's not something that's produced by our efforts. It's something supernaturally at work through the Spirit of God. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's where the work comes from. And and so here's the issue. When we stop and we see ourselves, what do we see? Do we see ourselves free in Jesus Christ? Or do we see ourselves still messed up still unable to live in victory still not sure about the blessings that God has provided for us and and I just want to spend a little bit of time here to talk about the importance of, of having that correct view that as we look we need to see who we are in Christ there's a story about a guy that went into a department store and he said, I want to buy my wife some perfume for Valentine's Day. And he said, so, guy showed him, he said, okay, here's some $50 a bottle. Said, mm, that's really expensive. He says, I'm looking for something cheaper. You have something cheaper? So he showed him another bottle. It was $30. Said, eh, that's still kind of high. He said, you sure, do you have anything cheaper? And so he showed him another bottle, and it was $15. He said, hmm, I don't know. He says, look, I'm looking for something really cheap. And so uh, the sales clerk picked up a mirror and handed it to him. Cheap. Now, the goal is that people, when they look at us, they see Christ. Because our lives have been focused upon Christ. And as we look at Him, He is ever transforming us by the Spirit of God with an ever-increasing glory. There's a parable about a beggar who lived near the king's palace. Word went out through the kingdom that the king was going to have a banquet. The only catch was it was open to anyone, but you had to have a royal robes, a royal garment in order to be accepted at the banquet. And all he had was rags for clothes. And so he thought about this. He thought, I really want to go, but I don't know how to get in. And so finally he got really bold, and he went to the guard the palace. He said, I would love to be able to speak to the king. And amazingly enough, the guard was able to go to the king. The king said, yes, you may be able to enter into my presence. And so he came before the king, and he just shared his heart. He said, King, I would love to come to your banquet. I'd love to be a part of, of being with you. He said, but all I have are these rags. I don't have any royal clothes. 
And the king said, you're wise to come to me. I'll help. So he called his son, the prince, and he said, take this guy to your royal chambers. And he said, pick out some clothes for him that he can wear. And so that's what happened. He went in there. He ended up, he found some clothes that fit. He put on some royal garments. And then the beggar, he looked in the mirror and he looked at himself and he couldn't believe it. He thought, man, I almost look important here. Yeah, have that royal look. And then the prince told him, he said, these are made of the finest, most wonderful materials, and they'll last as long as you will. They'll last a lifetime. He said, so you don't really need any other garments. You just need to wear these. And when you wear these garments, you're viewed as a prince. The guy looked and he thought, what? that sounds too good to be true. He looked over on the floor and he saw his rags and he thought, what if I need these clothes? What if I need these rags? I, I don't want to throw them away. So, so he picked them up and he, he, he put them, tied them up in a knot in a ball and he carried them with him. He went to the banquet and he put them on his lap and, and the food's coming by and they keep falling off his lap. And he kept missing some really good food because he was picking his clothes off the floor, those old rags, and putting them back in his lap. And he lived in the kingdom and, 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 and he ended up enjoying blessings because of his royal garments. But what was so sad was he always carried those rags with everywhere. And as the years went by, he became known not as the guy who looked like a prince, but the man who carried rags. And then one day, years later, the prince was now the king. He was on his deathbed, bed, this man was. He still had those rags by him. And the king came in and he just shook his head. He said, I told you, you didn't need those rags. And at that point, the man began to weep. And he said, you know, I missed a lifetime of joy because I wanted to hold on to the rags. How easy it is for us to do that. Jesus Christ has blessed us beyond measure. He has given us everything at the cross. He has provided us forgiveness. Heaven awaits us. He he says, hey, you can call out to me when you have a need. And you can do all things through Christ. Um, I am available to you. Just trust me. And, And yet, if we're not careful, we find ourselves wanting to put the old rags back on. The old garment. And miss the full blessing that God wants us to enjoy instead. Colossians 1 verse 27 tells us, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this ministry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. What does that mean? It means where everyone's able to see who they really are in Jesus. They really are. Guys, I, I share this verse because I keep saying, and I'm not much for it. This was my life verse kind of thing. But it seems like I share it so much that Colossians 3 3, definitely one of the top ten verses I quote. <laughs> it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And through the years, I've thought about that so often. Every once in a while, I don't know if you guys ever do this, every once in a while I'll do something really stupid. And what's bad about it is, I'll get hit with a memory. 
of maybe 10 years ago when I did something like that. Really stupid. And then I'll spend half a day beating myself up over, why did I do that? That was so dumb. That was so stupid. But God's not the accuser. He's not the one that wants to beat me up. He... He says, look, that's not what I see. I don't look at you and, and see the one who wants to disobey me and, and the one who, who has left me. You're hidden in Christ. That old way of life is, is, it's no longer my concern. When I look at you, you're hidden in Christ. It's a picture of being fully covered in Jesus Christ. When He looks on you, He doesn't see the sin. When He looks on you, He doesn't see the weakness. When He looks on you, He doesn't see the failure. When He looks on you, He sees the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Hidden there. What a great place to hide. What a great place to find what will last. To, to find the Lord, to gaze upon Him and, and His beauty that He provides I love Philippians 4.13 in the Amplified where you take a sentence and make it a paragraph. <laughs> he says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. Listen to this line. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I love that. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Remember when they fed the 5,000 and the guys were kind of like, how in the world are we going to get enough food? But then when they passed out, you know, the bread and a few fish, and then it said all 12 baskets, each disciple had a basket for a filled overflowing. That's the way God works. He wants us to see that the blessings that await us are full to overflowing. Jesus said that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life the full, abundant life. And that's His desire. That's His goal for us. That's what He wants to do. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, we're close by. Another great verse that I love. It says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. It's the gospel. You see, the idea of the law is that we have a sin issue that separates us from God, from the living God. But the great truth of the gospel is that God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. You see, when He died on the cross, He became sin for us. And what was the result of that? So that we might become the righteousness of God. So that we are not seen before the Heavenly Father as sinners, but righteous, clean, forgiven. Man, what a hope that He provides in His grace. What a hope. And as we look in that reflection of Jesus Christ, with the unveiled faces, to reflect the Lord's glory as we are transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, because our job is not to be glory hogs, but glory reflectors. And as we look at Jesus, He transforms us where we reflect His glory, the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to close here, go through some blessings. I adapted these from another preacher, F.F. F. Marsh. Talked about some of his great blessings. This is who you are when you look in the mirror of Jesus Christ. 
That's who we are, hidden in Him. Listen to some of these. Uh, first, we're fully accepted. I, I love Romans fifteen seven. It says, Accept one another then, just as in Christ, God has accepted you. Isn't that great? God says, Guys, we're family. Learn to accept one another. But he, he, but he gives a great reminder, you know, when you get irritated and say, I just don't want to accept her or him. Because I've accepted you. You do as I have done for you. You know, do as uh, it's been done unto you, you know. That's what he, that's how, he's accepted you, so accept one another. That's, how we're to, that's what we're to see. Uh, in First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, we have an inheritance that can't be lost. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed. Hey, there is an inheritance that awaits us. And we need to see that. Think about that every once in a while. (laughs) Your Father has an inheritance for you. All right, here's another one. A deliverance that can never be excelled. 2 Corinthians, turn back over to chapter 1, verse 10. He says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. He is our deliverer. Man, I love that. God, deliver us. A grace that can never be limited. Remember with Paul, and he says, I had this thorn, I asked God three times, take it away. And remember what he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9? He said, my power is made perfect in weakness. He, he spoke to him, and he said, I, I can do this in Christ. God provides that. God gives that, guys. Um, next, he gives a hope that can never be disappointed. In Hebrews 6.19, he says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Jesus is an anchor for the soul. When everybody else walks out, He walks in. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. It's a security. A joy that need never be diminished. John fifteen eleven. Jesus says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He provides us joy. He provides a nearness that can never be reversed. Listen, this is Ephesians 2, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. I love it. Then once I was far away, distant, 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 but God brought us near. Brought me near. And this is good stuff to think about. As we look in that mirror of Jesus, this is what we're to see. He provides a peace that can never be disturbed. John 14, 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. And as we look in that mirror of Jesus Christ, He provides a peace. As we talked about this morning, you you don't be discouraged. Just look at yourself. If you want to be encouraged, look at Christ. And, and, and that's where peace comes from. Um, two, two more. A righteousness that can never be tarnished. 
already shared this verse of Second Corinthians five twenty one that we looked at. God had made him made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That is such an amazing thought. And the last one: His love, His salvation, His work is safe. I love John ten twenty eight twenty nine. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. When you're in God's hand, through Jesus Christ, you're safe. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. That doesn't mean your bubble might not pop or your world explode. But it means that your Father is there. And think about it. What's the worst thing that can happen to us? We go to heaven. Not bad. It is a blessing. A security He provides. So God asks us when we look in the mirror to see Him. Let's, uh, Lord, uh, too often, Father, our sight is not clear, Lord. We don't see you. Lord, as I come before you, help my vision, Lord. Father, help each of us to see clearly. And Father, sometimes we forget who we are and, and, and what you provide. And, and Lord, just restore that, God. Because I think when that happens, it's just naturally to get excited and have joy. So help us see clearly, Lord, who we are in Jesus Christ, Lord that we who with unveiled faces Father, may we look fully upon your glory as, as you transform us into your likeness with that ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God, do that work in us, Lord. And Father, as, as we come a time to respond to you know, we call it invitation, all the altars open, bring who needs to come, Lord, whether it's to pray at the altar or or to share publicly with the people here. Or, or Father, just maybe a need to come in and pray. I'm here, Father. Just to have your way, Lord. As we, sing, as we stand, as we sing, may we just follow you, whatever that means. In your name we pray.